Hi, and welcome to our latest In The Know podcast, where we'll be discussing ESG investments, which are rapidly growing in popularity with investors. I'm Paul Thurston, Head of Research and Projects at Lucas Vestas, and I'm joined by Tiziana Maida, Head of Research at IPS Capital. Uh, welcome, Tiziana. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Paul. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I suppose the initial place to start would be if you could briefly describe what ESG actually means, Tiziana, because I think there sometimes can be a bit of confusion about what it does and doesn't cover. Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, in terms of the acronym stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. But ESG investing, and that's where people get confused, simply means investing, incorporating ESG factors and considerations in your analysis. So normally when you do standard investings, you, you really focus, you drill down on the financials, on the valuations of a company, right, on market dynamics, etc. But in this case, um, if you include ESG in the mix, it means that you look at these metrics as well, which are not strictly financial. So, for example, uh, what is the wastewater management for this company? How are they perceived by the community? If we look at the social aspect, uh, by their workforce, by other stakeholders. And when you look at governance, right, is their board independent? Is it diverse enough? Is it competent? And the point I think is very important to think, why do people do this? People do this because they believe this is a tool to be more informed about how a business is run. So ESG investing or ESG integration, as it's also called often, is done with the aim of reducing risks uh, and enhancing returns. You reduce risks because you are digging into the actual quality of the governance. And this might give you insights on opportunities that you might have missed or risks that you might have missed. Equally, uh, if we look to the environmental aspects, right, and the carbon intensity of a business, then we can figure out if uh, this company has a place in the world of tomorrow where emissions are inevitably going to be capped in line with the objectives of the Paris Agreement. I think quite often what happens is that ethical investing and ESG get mixed up and confused and muddled together. So there is kind of a clear distinction then between an ethical investment and investing in ESG. Yeah, that, that's very true. ESG tends to nowadays identify lots of different styles because the space has grown. So some people might mean what you said, ethical investing and negative screening. Other people might mean impact and they don't know what they're talking about. But I think it's because ethical investing is actually the, the oldest type of quote-unquote ESG investing. Like it was done with the Quakers, the Methodists in the 17th and 18th century. They were already telling people what they could and couldn't do based on uh, religious values. But the right. main difference is uh, with uh, with ethical investing, you're really looking at an investor who has more values and they don't want to be associated with some kinds of businesses. So they would say to their manager, look, I don't feel comfortable putting money in this type of venture. So there's not really an overlap with financials, which instead is the case with uh, ESG. Uh, ESG integrations tends to do more of positive screening. So while ethical investing would avoid um, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, uh, pornography, weapons, or companies that have unethical practices, companies that uh, operate against the UN Global Compact, instead with ESG integration with SRI, Sustainable Responsible Investing, uh, then it's much more about picking stocks which are leading the way, companies that are you know, an example to their peers in terms of um, how well uh, managed they are, how well they think about their ESG risks. So it might be well that their portfolios end up not being so different, but their starting point is very different because ESG integrated funds would exclude tobacco. 
but not on the basis of moral values, more because they think it doesn't really have a place in the world of tomorrow. In New Zealand, is also uh, almost um, illegal to, um, to smoke now. They are increasing every year, every year the age at which you can buy cigarettes. So mm-hmm. there's this idea, there's this uh, macro trend of driving these businesses out because they're just not sustainable. They are thriving at the expenses of the environmental society. So they shouldn't make profits, essentially. No, thank you. Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. So ethical, in essence, is negative screening and based on morals and principles and things like that. You're just saying, effectively, I don't want to invest in this. I'm not worried about how that affects my returns. Whereas E&G investment is actually actively screening, selecting companies based on their environmental, social and governance factors. Get a better return, really, I suppose, is it? Yeah, it's about thinking, what is the world we live in? Are these things actually important? And it turns out they are, because if you want to buy a property in Florida, you're already paying a premium to be away from the coast now. You know, it used to be you want to uh, have a nice view of the sea, of the coast. And now instead, yeah. you pay a premium to be inside, but that's because of um, more serious weather events, which has been caused by human-induced climate change. So you want to avoid uh, stranded assets, right? You want to avoid polluting companies because they're going to be fine. They're going to be regulated. So you're trying to shield your portfolio from these type of risks. Okay, but not necessarily from a moral point of view, more from a kind of a financial return point of view, really. Okay, I think that's a clear distinction. So the ESG market itself has grown considerably over recent years. As you've already alluded to, there's quite a number of different types of ESG or names for investments. Can you kind of give an overview of the type of ESG investments that are available and how they differ from one another? Uh, yes, of course. There's, uh, I think, four main styles today. Negative screening we talked about. Then there's best in class, which is essentially positive screening. So allocate to every sector, but only to those companies that scored the highest. So the idea here, you are incentivizing best practices and divesting from the laggards, those companies that still don't want to hear about it. Then you have thematic and impact, where essentially you are targeting a specific sustainable objective. It's the case for green bonds, for example. They within this category or um, environmental funds in general but also we're starting to see a lot done in social as well targeting themes and goals such as gender equality and financial inclusion so how do they actually do that would they guess when you stop picking you look at the company itself and see how many members are female on the board that type of thing or is it a bit more complicated than that how do you kind of value gender exclusion in a company so there's what you say so look at management uh look at the ratio of women on the board, uh, ratio of women in the workforce, ratio of women in the management, ratio of women in the workforce, just to see the progression of female within the company. But there, some funds would also target products and um, services which contribute to maybe bringing women back into the workforce or learning platforms that can make just education more accessible to people. Right. There's also funds that would do uh, financial inclusion via um uh, lending to banks which have programs for marginalized communities, rural communities. This is how you can have an impact in uh, public markets at least. So buying shares in that type of company obviously rewards them for what they've done and likewise you're then not buying shares in companies that aren't doing that type of thing which might incentivize them to change their ways. I guess that's kind of the principle behind it. Yes. 
Excellent. Okay, thank you. These are the four, but one uh, one other approach that is kind of complementary that we're seeing a lot these days is shareholders activism. So basically, in that case, you are using your position as an investor to try and influence the decisions of the board and shape their direction of travel and just uh, using your leverage as an investor to push them towards a more sustainable path. And this is very interesting. And I think if done uh, appropriately, this can be actually more impactful than best in class because the the problem with best in class is that you you end up buying the best but you can't avoid other people to buy the worst they mm. might stand up in another person's portfolio so if instead you target the, the laggards or those companies that have already shown some kind of commitment and you help them towards that towards achieving that goal i think that done properly can can be very successful so that would be such as becoming a shareholder in an oil company and voting through proposals for moving to green energy that type of thing is that sort of how it works yeah exactly and uh, also that has to be done intelligently because you don't want these companies to divest all at the same time of the market and you just get a lot of private capital uh, buying these assets yeah it has to be done intelligently uh, with a clear trajectory in in mind, and I think it can be very effective. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So I suppose what some investors might be concerned about, and you hear a lot of ethical things as well, is that when you start putting restrictions on what you will and won't invest in, sometimes that can result in poorer returns. Is that likely to be the case with ESG? Do you think? Well, now we've had ESG for quite some time, so uh, we have studies as well. And when I when I get asked this question, I just try to look at the data rather than what I feel about or what other people tell me. Mm. Uh, so we have thousands of studies on the topic, so it's useful to look at meta studies that summarize all these thousands of different conclusions. And basically, they these t- studies are done according to two different type of analysis. One looks at the correlation between ESG and the fundamentals of the company, so the profitability, the return on asset, the return on equity, and others instead look at total investor return. And in the first instance, you find that there is a clear positive correlation between ESG and the quality of management, the conservatism of financials. So they, they correlate positively. ESG assets are also best assets in terms of quality. Uh, with shareholders, return instead is the, the picture is more mixed. So there's not clear evidence that ESG enhances return, but there isn't uh, evidence of the contrary as well. So, And I think that's because it's really a tug of war here between two different factors. On one side, you have strong financials. On one side, you have quality, which is great, but you also have to pay a slight premium to get into these assets most of the time. So you have these two forces at play. And the other one is diversification, like ESG tends to be focused in some pockets of the market. So you might feel it more when there's a when there's a style rotation, when there's a sudden drawdown, when there's a recession scare. So I think that's what has made these results mixed. But if you do active management and you can manage these trade-offs, be mindful of valuations over time and diversification as well, I think you may very well outperform without having to uh, to sacrifice what you stand for, what you believe in. Because at the end of the day, people think a lot that ESG is about hugging trees, but it's more complicated than that. It can be much more nuanced. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. It's, it's reassuring to know that you can do some good and still get a good return, hopefully, for your money. And I mean, I guess you partly answered this anyway, but my next question was just going to be about the shorter and long-term outlooks for ESG funds. There's a lot of talk about energy security 
at the yeah. moment and obviously fossil fuel companies are doing particularly well at the moment in terms of their share prices but I suppose longer term you'd still expect ESG type companies the environmental like the green ones that are doing green energy their price to go up. At this point in time green energy is really positioned in the sweet spot uh, especially the the generators those who generate power because they can benefit from higher energy prices. You're also seeing increased demand because of the repercussions of current events. After the Russian invasion of Ukraine both the UK and Europe have decided to accelerate plans to decarbonize. So we're going to see a lot more capital being allocated to this sector. We might see at some point subsidies coming again. And there is uh, another area uh, which is getting a lot of traction and that's energy storage. Because if you think about it, batteries are really necessary and complementary to renewables infrastructure because a wind farm, a solar farm is intermittent by nature. So you you need a way to to store that energy. And in terms of factors, I think it's very interesting to think about that. Uh, There's a correlation between quality growth and and ESG because ESG so far has been about the product mostly, not so much about management, governance, social. Uh, since we are still at the early stages of this, I've seen managers really focusing on early stage, enabling technologies, high growth, lower yields. So since the beginning of the year, when you've seen rising rates and the style rotation, then you have value outperform like you would expect in a rising rates environment and growth of obviously lagging. But when we're starting to see earnings coming through and the picture is not as bleak as people would think, and you also have, you know, you want to be tactical to some extent, but if you think strategically about this, there's no reason why the value stocks which are rallying now because they are benefiting from commodities rising. Well, there's no really, uh, I can't be convinced that in 20, 30, 40 years time, they're going to be where they are now. No, no, I think I would agree with that. I think longer term, definitely, there's a need to move to greener energies and for all the climate reasons, and also to stop us having to rely on regimes that may not be that reliable. That's great. So, I mean, you've, you've kind of touched on some of these areas already. So a lot of the ESG funds focused on sustainable or green kind of energy type things to begin with but you say now there's an increase in the marketplace to cover other types of things like social and governance are you finding that in terms of stock picking there's a lot more choice for sort of individual funds as well in terms of um, managers and what i'm seeing in the market now is that obviously flows follow performance so Mm. now there's lots of new quote-unquote value ESG funds around. And they can do it if they are focusing on transitioning. So that's another interesting area. And it, it sort of overlaps with what we were talking about before, which is shareholders' activism. So ESG doesn't have to be necessarily about the product. Uh, if you only do products, then you are really not diversified. Right. Your base case ends up being quality and you have pockets of growth. And the two factors correlate enough as it is. But value funds that I'm seeing today are those that believe that best in class really doesn't work. So you have to invest in transition, you have to target the laggards or the improvers, and you have to fight to to change them if obviously they show commitment to, you know, to wanting to do so. So you do that. And at that point, you may want to think about, is it really acceptable that there's such a premium differential between something like Tesla and something like Volkswagen today, given Mm. that Volkswagen has the capacity to produce as many electric vehicles as Tesla by 2050 and this kind of thing. So can I invest there? Can I accelerate that process? Can I make an impact in that sense? And that allows you to be more diversified and also more mindful of valuations. Okay. Do you find it easy to find evidence or proof of companies kind of fulfilling 
ESG objectives? Um, in, in terms of commitments, um, any listed company now has a big fat sustainability report with uh, all the targets and everything, um, different timelines. What we have to see is how well they follow up on those commitments. But yeah. uh, there's reason to be hopeful, if nothing, because of regulations coming, the FCA is having a proper look at this. And uh, so investors will be forced to think about this properly. Yeah, because I think from an investor's point of view, I think Certainly feedback we get on some funds is that they like the idea of investing sustainably, but they also kind of want some evidence that actually it's doing what it's saying it's doing. And particularly with multi-asset funds and NPSs and stuff like that, we are, we are starting to get more information through now, kind of showing impacts that they've had, which I guess probably feeds through from companies they're investing in, providing them with more information to kind of prove difference it's making. Yeah, no, it's been, and I think that the starting point is that greenwashing is a real issue. And you could get away with that when the market wasn't regulated. But mm. the EU has done a massive, massive amount of work on this. So the UK is catching up. And they're also going to have a taxonomy. They're also going to have a classification of all funds to Article 6, Article 8 and Article 9. Article 6 would be no sustainable objectives at all. Article 8 and Article 9 is just applying them to different extent with a part of Article 9 being actual impact. But to classify as impact at that point, then you really have to show intentionality. So it has to be yeah. in the prospectus, has to be in the mission and measurability. So you, you have to report on your KPIs. So if you if you have a green fund, then you have to show reduction in CO2. If you have a social fund focusing on gender equality, then you have to report on the percentage of women that have gone back to the workforce or percentage reduction in pay gap. Excellent. That's good. So, yeah, so evidence is becoming clearer. And yeah, and I think I suppose the point of investing in these type of things is to see, as well as get a return from it, is to see the difference you're making. So the more proof and evidence that can be provided, the better. Great. OK, I think that's covered all the topics we we wanted to cover and hopefully listeners feel like they understand ESG investments a bit more and what's available in the marketplace and their, their outlook. So thank you very much, Tiziana, for your time. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.